Well, over the last uh, fall, we have been in a series called Kingdom Living, right? And we've been talking about this whole idea of living in God's kingdom. And, and what does that really look like? And one of the things we've talked about is that kingdom people prioritize kingdom things, right? Rather than investing in the here and the now, kingdom people look to invest in eternal things, things that will last, things that will endure. And as we said, we as a congregation, we challenge, you know, we challenge those to the tithe to take that first 10% to say, God, we give that to the Lord. But there are some within our congregation that say, you know what? We don't want to be stop- stopping there. We want to give above and beyond the tithe. We want to invest in eternal things. We want to put our money in things that are going to endure things that are going to last and for that we have what we call kingdom builders all right and so what is kingdom builders many of you are like i'm not really sure kingdom builders is our above and beyond giving for those who are already said that that we're taking the step to tithe they say i want to give beyond that and there's three ways that we give first we give to global projects Uh, these are oftentimes some of our partners that we're already supporting on a monthly basis but they have deeper needs or bigger needs things that they're dreaming of that they need financing for that we want to come around and help we also have local partners oftentimes right here in minnesota in the Twin Cities areas, even within our own city that we're able to invest in. Say, God, we want to be able to invest in these things. And lastly, we want to invest in future leaders. How many of you know we need more and more people that are willing to give their lives to serve Jesus around the world, right? There are people who desperately need the hope of Christ. And so we want to be a part of raising up and releasing those young people all around the world and some of you that are feeling that call and burden on your heart. And so over this uh, past several years, we've been growing our heart when it comes to this idea of kingdom builders. And so three years ago, when we talked about how much we gave, three years ago, we gave $21,000 through kingdom builders. 2020, we gave $50,000 through kingdom builders. Again, above and beyond the normal tithe and offering. Last year, we saw $102,000 come in, giving above and beyond the tithe, okay? And so far in 2022, as of Thursday, we have had 113611 and 8 cents come in toward Kingdom Builders, okay? But as is the last several years, much of the, much of the funds have come in a day just like today. And so we're believing God to do something miraculous. Over this past year, we've already been able to engage in some pretty cool things. Uh, so for Global Project, so far we've already given $30,000 to Project 42, who's bringing the gospel to people who have no access to the gospel. We were able to help. One of our partners is in the nation of Jordan. And with Live Dead, they have a training center in Jordan that they are sending missionaries out to the Arab world. And we got to be able to invest in them, the re, uh, kind of the restoration of one of their facilities that they're using. We are also able to be a part of a group of people who long launched Kazakhstan Bible School. It's, a, it's the only Bible school in a predominantly Muslim nation that is actually training missionaries for that entire region that we got to be a part of launching this year. And we also have given through Convoy of Hope to some of the needs throughout the world, some of the stuff that's happened in Ukraine and other areas of the world to be able to support and bring resources in times that have been challenging. But then locally, we've got some local projects. Life Center Minneapolis, we shared that video last week as we were a part of Life Center restoring and a, a uh, doing the renovations on one of the apartments in this facility that is helping people come out of uh, addiction and be able to kind of be a stepping stone into kind of a normal life. And so we were able to be a part of that, as well as Hope Academy. Some of you know Hope Academy. It's in South Minneapolis. It is a Christian school, but it is almost completely funded 
with donations because they are bringing students in who ordinarily could not attend a school like that. And most of them are coming from non-Christian homes, but they are sending them to these places. And these kids are on fire for Jesus, and they are being sent into their homes and their communities to reach their communities for Jesus. It's an amazing thing that we get to be a part of. And so we've been a part of that so far this year. And lastly, through future leaders, uh, we have done student scholarships for some of the camps and conventions for some of our kids that ordinarily wouldn't get to go and have had their lives transformed because of that. We also had Zoe Leadership Program that we ran for the very first time this past summer. And we had about 12 to 14 students that were a part of that throughout the summer. That were able, These are people who feel a call of ministry on their heart, and we were able to spend time pouring into them throughout the summer, raising them up. Two of them have actually joined our staff since that program, but we believe that God is going to use many of those within the kingdom. So these are some of the things that we've been able to invest in already this year. But there's still some things that we have had on our heart. Things that have been approached to us that we've said we want to be able to say yes. And when the funds come, we want to be able to support those. And so some of those projects are this. Venture, a pledge of $50,000 toward Venture. Venture is equally working in some of the hardest places in the world. But one of the biggest needs is food because oftentimes they are bringing food along with the gospel. And so we want to be able to bring two pallets, which is over a half million meals, to be able to support them in ministry. They've also got a need of a couple motorcycles because they got some missionaries that are trying to go into places that takes 10 hours to walk walk, they could get there in 30 minutes on a motorcycle, and it would just increase their ministry. We want to be able to buy those motorcycles, okay? The other thing, Project 42, we want to continue another $20,000 toward the ministry they've got going on there. Minnesota AG Campground, where we send our kids and our teenagers. We want to invest in that. They, they're packed. They don't have enough space anymore, so they're having to build a new facility to get, fit more kids on site. And so we want to be a part of helping with that, okay? And then we've got Hope Academy. We've already funded one whole week of their kindergarten class. We want to fu fund a whole second week of their kindergarten class if we can. And then lastly, Speed the Light. Our students have been raising money for uh, water wells in Tanzania with one of our missionaries there. And we want to be able to join with what our students are already doing and add a little gasoline to the fire that's going on in their hearts right now, okay? And so those are some of the projects that are yet to, to be done. And, and we're believing God to do the miraculous here this morning as a part of this, okay? And so I want to say this. If you're a first-time guest here, this is a different Sunday. We don't ordinarily sit and take an offering today. We're going to take an offering. I'm warning you. At the end of this service, we're going to take an offering for this stuff, okay? Uh, and it's not because we were trying to this. None of this is going to us. This is about sending and, and, and building the kingdom of God around the world. And so we want to be a part of that. And so I'm asking you to have prayerful hearts, open hearts today to say, God, I'm here to listen to you today. That's it. That's what I want to hear. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do through it. You'll notice the card that you have when you walked in has those projects. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But this morning, I'm super jacked up uh, because he hadn't been here in a little while. And uh, excited to have the one, the only, our staff evangelist, Pastor Micah Mack, share with us today. The Vikings are eight and one. We're having some fun. Can you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? We've been in a kingdom living series, and we're going to continue on, starting in Mark chapter 6 in verse 32. It's on the screen. It says this. It says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving, this is Jesus and the disciples, when the crowd saw them leaving and recognized them, they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them, which that would actually be really funny. Can you imagine in the Sea of Galilee, you're on a boat, you're trying to leave the crowds, but you see them running on foot, 
like after him. That'd just be really funny to watch. Like, good one, Jesus. He wanted us to get away. But look at them all. They're following us. Got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, this is the whole point right here. This is it. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Verse 38, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. God, help us to do that today. Help us to see a miracle. Lord, there's $100,000 still yet to be given to see miracles that will feed nations. Help us to see another miracle in our church today. In Jesus' name, take a look at this video. You can be seated. I'm in Cairo, Egypt right now, and been just an amazing, amazing story getting here and just amazing experience just being around the people. Stepping off the plane when we got here, um, walking into the terminal here in, in Cairo and looking around, it was surreal. And, and you get off the airplane and, and you get into the city that is just like so packed with people. There, like, there's people everywhere. I, I see this city, all these people, 25 million people in this area, and I just need to focus on one person at a time. Just this resonating phrase in my spirit that is, everybody a soul. They're human, and they, they care about people. These people had no problem sitting us down and playing games, sitting us down and providing a meal or, or providing drinks. And, and to me, that's where it hit me that I was like, these people are no different than you and I. Trying to go through their day, trying to be good, good people, um, they're just blinded to the truth. And just, just really God showed me, like, I created these guys, and I love them just as much as I love you. We heard the call to prayer, uh, and without Christ, without hope, without Jesus stepping in, those people are lost forever, and they're lost in eternity, and it broke my heart for those people. It broke my heart in a way that I wasn't prepared for, in a way that I didn't expect, in a way that I still am not quite sure how to process, but I know that there's a hope for them. I know there's an answer for these people, and that answer is Jesus. And I have struggled with this trip being like, God, I'm only one person. What can I do? Like, why am I here? And maybe that's me needing to step out in faith more. Maybe that's me saying I need to take a hold of that calling that God gave me. It doesn't really matter what our position is as long as we're answering the call of God in our own lives. God's continually wrecking my heart in this area of reaching out, of sharing, of reaching the unreached. I have to be willing to let God break my heart for people and to go beyond my comfort zone, to go beyond 
what I think I can do. I'm ready to abandon the normal, abandon what I know, what I, what's comfortable for me. I'm ready to abandon all that so that other people can have life, so that other people can know Jesus Christ. It starts with obedience. What are you gonna be obedient about? Where, where are you gonna start? Where's your foundation? What has God called you to? What is God speaking to you? How is God challenging you? Be ready to walk through whatever doors he opens, whatever that may look like, whatever that may be, and know that he has a plan and that he is with you. Be ready to be challenged and to step out and get out of the comfortable. If you truly want to be used by God, you can't have control of any part of your life. Because as long as something is in your hands, God can't use it. If you want God to use you, you have to fully trust him. You have to fully give your life to him. You have to give control of every area. Continue to surrender your heart to what God wants to speak to you. Not to live a life for yourself or for your own gain, but to live dead. This last fall, I've preached to thousands of teenagers across America. In the last two weeks, I met a 12-year-old boy who attempted suicide. And uh, she probably shouldn't be living. His mom walked into his bedroom and found this 12-year-old trying to hang himself. And uh, this 12-year-old gave his life to Jesus for the very first time this last weekend. And, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And a week before that, a 14-year-old girl almost OD'd on fentanyl. She, too, got to hear about the love of Jesus. These are the students I get to meet across America. But you know what breaks my heart? Is there is people... In fact, not just people, but 42% of the world will never get the chance to hear about the hope and love of Jesus. And those kids got to hear about a different way. Someone who did everything to come and find them. A love that changed their life. But there's 42% of the world today that have no access to a church. They have no access to a missionary. They have no Bible They have no access to the gospel whatsoever. And in that video right there, the place that I got to go in Cairo, Egypt, 35 million people live there. May never, ever have the chance to hear about the name of Jesus. And I think about this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In other words... It's like a father who hasn't seen his child in years. Look at all of them aimless, wandering, no hope, no purpose, no joy, nothing. And Jesus is like, this is it. The Greek word for compassion, it means to fill it deep in your inner gut. Like it doesn't stay inside of you. It literally is compulsive to action. And Jesus had this passion and the compassion to see people have a shepherd in their life. And this morning, I came to remind our church who Jesus had compassion for. This first picture, the reality is, is there are babies all over the world today that do not have a mom and do not have a dad. They are thrown into dumpsters. Some parents try to uh, excavate them to get rid of them. And my sister went to Haiti one time, and she described that the orphanages in Haiti are packed with children. 
And my sister said when she walked down the middle aisle of the orphanage, there was hundreds of cribs, metal cribs with babies in them. And my sister said when she walked down the aisle, babies threw up their arms and screamed when they heard the footsteps of my sister walk near their crib. Why? Because when you were born, there's a reason why the doctor puts the baby on the mother's chest. Because every human was meant to know nurture and meant to know touch. Who did Jesus have compassion for? The orphan. Who did Jesus constantly defend? The orphan. What about this next picture? There's people all over the world today that don't have access to clean drinking water. One out of five kids in sub-Saharan Africa literally die every single day because they don't have access to clean drinking water. Where you live in the world should never determine whether or not you live. Where you are born in the world today should never determine if you're going to survive or not. And you and I started our day with a glass, holding it under a sink to get a cup of water, maybe even a shower. These friends of mine, yes, and I say friends, because I've been there and I've done life with these people. These friends of mine don't know what a shower is, and they don't know what it means to get clean drinking water because... The very water they drink from is the same water holes that animals bathe in and drink out of. And not to mention, you know whose job it is to go get the water for the family? The woman. And females will walk up to four hours one way just to try to get water. And on the way, most women typically get raped. And these are people I've met because they're vulnerable. Who did Jesus come for? Who did he stop for? What kind of compassion was the heart of Christ? But he stopped for the thirsty. What about the next picture? There's people every day that wake up in war-torn areas. We have a refugee crisis. Right now, there's a civil war going on in Ethiopia. 40 to 60,000 women and children have been killed in the last year with what's going on in Ethiopia. How do I know this? Because I was on the plane with the World Serve director who puts water wells and he was telling me where they're putting water runs right now is in a civil war crisis. Women and children dying because of bad leadership, dictatorship, wicked and evil rulers. Jesus came for the refugee. Yes. Amen. His heart was moved with compassion. What about the next picture? There's people all over the world today that literally wake up to the horrors of sex trafficking. Every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim of human trafficking. And that picture of that little girl, she's three years old. Her dad sold her into sex trafficking to get a drug hit for his latest drug money. And we are still trying to find this little girl today as she's now six years old, and we're still trying to find her. The theme in Scripture from beginning to end is God's heart for the vulnerable. God's heart for the needy. God's heart for the disadvantaged. God's heart for the foreigner, people outside of Israel. God's heart for those who don't have. And then this next picture, there's people literally every day that will walk one way to get just a cup of rice, one cup of rice to walk all the way back home to feed a family of eight on a dirt floor, and that is their meal for the day. Who did Jesus come for? But he came for the hungry came for the hungry. At the end of all of this, people are going to say, well, Jesus, I did all these things for you. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Well, when you gave a cup of cold water to someone who was thirsty, you were doing that to me. 
When you gave someone food who was hungry, you were doing that to me. When you clothed the naked, you were doing that unto me. When you visited those in prison, you were doing that to me. The whole reason why we do this as a church, the whole reason why we're here doing this here is because this is the very heart of Jesus. Compassion, sheep without a shepherd. And then the disciples do something that you and I are good at doing. It's easy to point out problems. Hey, Jesus, we got an issue. These people been here all day. It's hot. They have no food. Why don't you send them away, get some food? Why don't you get them out of here? That's the right thing. That'd be the Jesus thing to do. And then Jesus says something and does something that is still the same solution today. It's the big so what to this whole text and this whole message. The big so what and the whole point is this. You feed them. You feed them. You see a need, you meet a need. Oh, good one, Jesus. That's a good one. We got 15,000 people here, and you're expecting us, 12 guys, who gave up everything, by the way, to follow you. We don't got money. We gave up everything. We're sleeping in rocks just like you, and you want us to feed them. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you feed them. You see a problem? You do something about it. And that same answer he gave 2,000 years ago is the same one he gives to his church today. You feed them. And this is when it gets really good. The disciples are like, well, well, we take a half year's wages. We don't even have enough food. And then Jesus does this. He asks them a question. He says, what do you have? Because the miracle is not what you don't have. The miracle is when you give what you do have to Jesus, it multiplies and can feed the nations. What do you have? Uh, let's go look. Has anybody got food? 15,000 people here. Surely you got to got to anybody have food. Jesus wants it. He's asking for it. Anybody got anything? Out of 15,000 people, you want to know the only food they could scrounge up was a boy's lunch. Gave it away. And know what I wonder? How many people had lunch that day but never gave it? Which leads me to my whole point. Number one, God can't bless what you keep. He can't bless what you keep. How many adults had food that day? But was like, nope, I have needs. Jesus would want me to take care of my needs for sure. I'm just going to take care of me. This will feed me and my kids that I brought to hear the ministry of Jesus. Why would I give it up? Anybody got anything? Teenage boy. Uh, it. It's not much, but here you go. It's better in Jesus' hands anyway than it is in mine. God still uses young people today. God has never been moved by age. He's always been moved by faith and trusting him. He needs it. Go ahead, Jesus. This picture of this girl that I'm with, she's from Alabama. And she's been praying for her dad to see her dad break free of the drug addiction. God, would you set my dad free from drugs? God, would you deliver my dad from drugs? Long story short, she comes home from school one day. She finds her dad dead from a drug overdose. Never saw her dad set free from drugs. She was sitting in a service just like this. And she heard how every dollar has a face on it. Every U.S. dollar has a face on it. She heard a pastor say, 
Every dollar you give away to kingdom builders, it represents someone else's face around the world that's gonna now get to hear about Jesus. You know what the Holy Spirit spoke to this teenage girl, just how a young boy gave over what he had? The Holy Spirit said, I want you to give $5,000 of all your work checks over the next couple months. The reason why I'm in a picture with this girl and they interviewed her, they said, why'd you give so much away? You need a car, you're in high school. You gotta save up for college and you don't have a dad anymore to provide for your life. Why are you giving $5,000 away? This is what she said. The reason why I give is because my dad isn't alive anymore. And the reason why I give is so that other children's dads around the world, that they might have a chance to hear about the love of Jesus, that they might have a chance to see their dad saved and transformed. God still uses teenagers today. And God loves to use the foolish things of the world to confound the old wise people in the world. He loves to take things that are unlikely and use it for his glory. What about this girl? When I think of kingdom builders, I think of this right here. This girl, her name's Lily. She's from Minnesota. You know what she does? Every single Saturday, she sits at a coffee shop for two hours and strums a guitar. She has a tip jar out. All money goes to missions. It's a sign. All money goes to missions for two hours every Saturday. She sits and strums a guitar. This girl has given over $7,000 in tip money. All of it, not for herself. She can buy some bougie things for seven grand. Teenage girl, you kidding me? Gave it all the way to missions. And this is what Kingdom Builders is to a T, is this girl will never meet my friend, Pastor Moshe. She'll never meet him. But Pastor Moshe was a lead pastor in the country of Tanzania. God told him and his wife to sell everything and move to an island where it was 99% Muslim to start a church to see Muslims come to know the love of Jesus. They leave everything, they take their kids. Guess how many people showed up the first Sunday on Mafia Island to church? Zero. He preached the first message to his wife and kids. God, you called me here, where are the people? You called us to start a church here, where are people? And then God said, what do your people need? And he noticed on the island, women, children, men were dying because they have no access to clean drinking water. And then he heard about churches like Zoe who give to something called kingdom builders that literally put water wells outside of churches. The light bulbs go off. If these people could put a water well outside my church, it would meet the needs of our community. We would have a chance at education. We'd have a chance at healthcare. Our people would have a chance to survive. And these people might get to hear the love and hope of Jesus with the water that will never run out. So you know what we did? We put a water well outside of his church. You want to know what he emailed me? He said, Micah, I've led more people to Jesus at this water well than my entire 19 years of being a lead pastor in Tanzania. A whole island, people coming to know Jesus. The Muslim Brotherhood saw and a whole island being changed. People coming to follow Jesus and they were upset. They designed a plan to go kill him, his wife, and his kids in the middle of the night. When the Brotherhood showed up with gunmen to go mow him and his family down, they noticed the pastor had armed gunmen patrolling his house outside of his house. They got back to the governing authorities. Hey, we're not going to get in a gunfight with this pastor. He has armed gunmen. Governing authorities knock a door, uh, the door on his house. Hey, pastor, we heard you have guns. We came to search your house and take away all your ammo and guns. Pastor says, please come search my whole house and look at all of it. They go through his whole house. 
They find no guns and they find no ammunition. You know what my friend Pastor Moshe told me? Micah, I'm convinced God puts angels outside of my house at night so we can keep preaching the gospel so people can still know the love of Jesus. And this is what I love about kingdom builders is Lily will never meet Pastor Moshe, ever. But someday when these two get to heaven, can you imagine? Thank you for giving what you had. Thank you for sacrificing. Well, what do you mean? It was easy. I was just in the coffee shop. No, I'm in heaven today because you gave. That is the heart of kingdom builders. And today, I want us to be reminded in a tangible way on what happens when we give to missions and how people can be transformed. In a little bit, I'm gonna play a video where you see one man who was walking by. The students who I spoke to in Arizona purchased a church. They built a church in Africa. This man was walking by, heard the praises of the church and stopped and look at what happened. This is why we give and why we do to Take a look at this video. So tomorrow we're going to have a good church here. I pray this prayer so that you may enter my heart. 
Be my Lord and my Savior of my life. I give my life unto you to have control over my life, to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. My Lord, I am yours. I repent in all the ways that I have talking. I said with your blood, wash and make you your child. In the name of Jesus. May we never become numb to seeing the love of Jesus change even just once. May we never become so calloused, so prideful, that we forget of the need of Jesus, not just here, but for friends around the world. I was in Panama doing school assemblies, the country of Panama. Hundreds of teenagers raised their hand to give their life to Jesus. I'm sitting next to the missionary. He said, you see all these hands that came to know Jesus? I said, yeah. He said, you realize if Zoe never gave to Kingdom Builders, we never would have had the projection screens to do this whole school assembly. I said, that's crazy. He said, you see all these teenagers who just gave their life to Jesus? I said, yeah. He said, you realize if Zoe never gave to Kingdom Builders, never would have had... We have the sound system to be able to do the school assembly. Hey, you know... All these hands who gave their life to Jesus said, yeah, he said, you realize if Zoe never gave to Kingdom Builders, we wouldn't have had the vans to bring your whole team to this location three hours away. And then this is when it got real. A 15-year-old girl was sitting in the middle aisle. All the students left the assembly, couldn't stop crying. I walk up to her with the Spanish interpreter. I say, what's going on? She goes, I'm 15 years old, and today I had a plan to commit suicide after school. But today I heard about the love of Jesus. I had no idea about this. I don't want to commit suicide anymore. I want to follow Jesus. I said, that's amazing. That's awesome. I said, why would you want to commit suicide? You're 15. She goes, I'm 15 years old and I'm pregnant. And the very person who got me pregnant is my father. I don't want to have to raise a baby one day telling my own child that the father is my father. That day, two lives were saved with the love of Jesus. Why? Because a church like Zoe exists not for themselves, exists to feed nations, exists to clothe the naked, to find orphans, exists to put water wells where people are dying, exists to find those who are lost in sex trafficking, exists to preach the gospel to the 42% of the world that's never heard. That is why we give. And I have one challenge for our church today, which is this. When was the last time you gave and it hurt? When was the last time you gave and it hurt you to do it? Because that kid was hungry just like everyone else. That kid had his own needs like everyone else. And he said, it's better in your hands. Here you go. Because compassion means co-suffer. So if a woman is going to have to suffer to get clean water, I can suffer in America where I'm wealthy and have a bed. I can give, even though it might hurt. I'm not going to preach a message and not give ourselves. 
my wife and I were in for $10,000 in this offering right here. And you're like, well, hold on. Greg just preached three weeks ago. You're not supposed to announce what you give. However, I'm not a fan of preaching messages, inspirational messages, when you know that the leaders don't have skin in the game. We're in this together. Is that going to hurt us? Yeah. Do I want to keep that for ourselves? Yeah. Is it worth it? You bet. Was it worth it for just that one man? You bet. We have 100,000 that we still need for our church to meet projects. The dream is we would see 150,000 today. What is God asking you to give? For you, it might be a lunch, $5, because that is it. Or it might be, nope, we're blessed with means, and it's better investing in something that's eternal than it is in our own account. I will give where it won't rot and where it won't be destroyed as this money is not ours and where our treasure is, there our heart is too. I want my heart to match his. What could we do this morning? As the worship team sings, I want you to take a moment to ask God, what do you want us to give today? What do you want us to do today? I want that between you and your spouse or if you're not married, just you. What can you do? Because all of us have something to give. Let's ask God.